You're tuned into Two Shades of Blue, a Carolina Blitz podcast featuring Royal and Terrence, two brothers from another mother who rep rival teams eight miles down Tobacco Road. Each week, Royal and Terrence will give their real and unbiased take on all Carolina sports and entertainment. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Two Shades of Blue podcast. My name is Royal Howell. My co-host, Terrence Hatchett. We are the other half of Carolina Blitz with Vashaw Hurt. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very hot topic show. Um, we're going to touch on the NBA playoffs, featuring, um, you know, the NBA finals. That is uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns with two Carolina natives. We're also going to touch on the Olympics with uh, Shakari Richardson um, being banned from the 100 meter due to weed. Um, but we're going to start this show off today, ladies and gentlemen, with the Maria Taylor, uh, Rachel Nicholson saga that's going on that transpired yesterday. Um, actually, it really transpired over a year ago uh, with um, basically, long story short, Rachel, uh, Rachel Nicholson was in her hotel room um, and she was having a conversation with uh, LeBron James uh, pu- um, publicist, uh, Adam Nicholson, I think it's his name. Um, Adamson, I think is his name. And long story short, uh, she made some comments about um, her job at the NBA Finals um, being the host uh, for the NBA Countdown Show, um, basically, you know, interviewing the athletes, um, talking to uh, guest uh, hosts. Um, she's like the main, you know, the main attraction for that show. And she was potentially being sidelined for a African-American, um, well-credentialed, somebody's put in the work on um, plenty of shows. Uh, journalism has a degree in journalism. Um, Maria Taylor, who is also up for a contract renewal. Um, so her job was potentially being, um, you know, she's going to lose her job basically for the host um, to be placed on the sideline um, during the NBA Finals. And she didn't like that that was going to transpire. So what she said was, some very disturbing comments um, trying to um, take the legitimacy. Oh, I said legitimacy. <laughs> trying to basically discredit Maria Taylor's credentials for having that job. Um, there's nothing wrong with having your job. And, you know, you have a reason to basically be, you know, not agree with your job being taken. That's with almost any person that has a job in America. When you have somebody else coming in potentially taking your job, you have a reason to be. Um, angry or upset or, you know, you don't like the whole situation. You have, a, you have a reason to be angry, upset, but when you want to discredit somebody by the color of their skin and try to act like it's a diversity hire, which is what she said, it's a huge problem. Um, Rachel, she basically alluded to the diversity side of the um, referring to her being a woman and um, basically agreeing that, you know, she's seen the lack side, you know, the downside of ESPN in the past with their, um, you know, they they're, they've never really been consistent with diversity uh, within the media. We know that when it comes to African-Americans having um, big time jobs in the media, um, African-Americans having, you know, landed jobs within the media. Uh, but she alluded to it um, in her term, saying basically, um, you know, her being a woman, she's seen the downplay of it. But what hurt her was when she went to it being diversity and saying basically Maria Taylor she was basically being a prop for ESPN, um, being a front, you know, front page for the whole dismantle of ESPN uh, and hiring her because she's a black woman. 
with everything going on with the George Floyd, with the social injustices, with the social impressions, uh, she made it about white versus black, her not losing her job, you know, feminism, whatever, how, you know, however you want to look at it, that's what she made it about. And that's where she's getting crucified all over social media, all over any type of, you know, uh, social media pages, uh, any type of media publications, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, I mean, Barstool, anything you look at right now on social media, you will see that basically Rachel Nicholson is getting crucified and rightfully so. But what really bothers me the most and what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing um, is a lot of her white counterparts are trying to make excuses for the insensitive comments. That's a nice way of putting it from Rachel Nicholson in regards to Maria Taylor. And what really bothers me the most about this whole situation is that it wasn't the fact that she was upset about losing her job. It was the fact that she tried to blame her losing her job to a black woman on it being a diversity hiring. And you just have to take a, you know, a step back and look at the whole situation and just say, hey, you have a right to be upset about losing your job, but to try to discredit another woman based on the color of her skin, that's a huge, that's, that's like a, just a huge problem. Um, it doesn't sit well with me. If this was the other way around, Maria Taylor would have been fired last year Another reason that I'm upset about the whole situation is because the person that actually recorded this whole situation, it was basically live feedback to the ESPN studios. The person that caught all this reported all this to ESPN human resource department. She ended up getting suspended for two weeks without pay for this whole situation. And she's been threatened to be sued from Rachel Nicholson. Apparently it's stuff I've been reading because not only was she secretly recording the conversation, which, you know, it has its faults, however you want to look at it in the law system. But she was, you know, she was secretly recording the whole conversation, but she went to HR about the whole situation, let them know what was going on, let them know the comments. She was suspended two weeks without pay. This person that Rachel Nicholson was talking to was LeBron James' publicist, who LeBron James, we all know, has a relationship, um, you know, on the media side with Rachel he tends to give her interviews, inside information about where he's going to sign, his, you know, different projects he has with the community, whatever the case may be. They have a relationship, even goes back to the NBA Finals this past season with LeBron James and AD, where they show those videos of her flirting, um, you know, being too flirtatious with LeBron James during the worst, you know, during the award ceremony. And, you know, you have people thinking that, you know, she's being out of line, she's stepping out of place. We all know LeBron James is married. Um you know, it just, it didn't look professional in a professional setting. So you got all this going on and LeBron James publicists, LeBron James is facing a lot of scrutiny right now, pressure to fire his publicists because not only were they laughing on video about the whole ordeal when it came to the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement, they just considerately laughed off. And you even had his publicist saying, I'm exhausted of the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement. Like they just kind of like just brushed it off, which is just, just sorry. And the sad thing about this whole situation is it's been a pattern of these behaviors towards black women in the media, where it came to Carrie Champion, where it came to Jamel Hill, where it came to Josina Anderson, who's well-respected within the NFL ESPN community, but she lost her job. And she's still doing hell of a job being independent. And she's, you know, she's flourishing right now. But it just shows you this is just another demonstration of African Americans, specifically black women being mistreated uh, from these big time media publications such as ESPN, because it's just like they don't give a damn. 
long as you're, you know, you're making them money, you're doing whatever the case, you, do, you know, you're doing whatever to bring them profit and views and a revenue in, they don't care. But as soon as your time is up, they get rid of you and put you and replace you with a white woman, a white man, whatever the case may be. This is just facts. This has been happening for far too long. We have another, you know, another, you know, another illustration of what's going on. And the fact that ESPN tried to public, you know, try to put a story out earlier this week about Maria Taylor wanting to seek Stephen A. Smith numbers, you know, Stephen A. Smith makes nearly $8 million a year for his contract. And they said that Maria Taylor, you know, allegedly wanted to seek those type of ballpark figures, which we know is kind of unlikely that will happen, but anywhere from maybe five to 6 million, I think that's what she was trying to get. But the fact that they try to put this fake story out, knowing that this other story was on the backside and it would blow up because it's been spreading like a wildfire. And the fact of the matter is, this type of crap cannot happen at all. Like, she should be, Rachel Nicholson should be fired. Rachel, Rachel Nichols should be fired. Just, let's just call it like it is. If it was the other way around, Maria Taylor would have been fired a long time ago. But she tried to discredit a black woman who has landed a great job, a great gig, who has experience, who has a degree, who has a degree in journalism, who has flourished on the front scene with college football, NBA, ESPN, whatever you can, anything that she touches has been complete gold. And the fact that she's being discredited from Rachel Nicholson because she's going to potentially lose her job, you know, hosting the NBA countdown show is just blasphemous, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I don't understand how Rachel still has a, still has a job right now. Um, she has a reason to be upset. She has a reason to potentially lose her job, um, but she should be fired by ESPN right now. It's, no doubt about it. In my opinion, I've did my homework. I've watched, I've listened to the video numerous times. I've read all type of stories, everything surrounding the whole ordeal. It's even bad when Maria Taylor allegedly won't even respond to any of her text messages. They said Rachel's been, you know, basically, um, you know, asking for forgiveness, texting her, you know, just whatever the case may be to try to get some kind of forgiveness. But what happens behind closed doors always reveals a person's true character. The fact that she really gave her true thoughts about the situation behind closed doors and wanted to bring race into it, it really revealed Rachel's true thoughts and character about herself and how she feels about minorities, people that potentially land good spots that she think that, oh, they're not just deserving of these type of gigs. Um, T, give me your thoughts on the whole situation, man. Uh, I mean, ESPN has had such a major cultural shift in the last five, 10 years. Um, ESPN, in my opinion, hasn't been the same since they got rid of his and hers. Remember, his and hers, not only was it just a good show, but it was a cultural show for like people like you and I and people who really follow sports that are black. You know, they threw in a lot of cultural references and sports and it just it was a good show. And I knew that ESPN was shifting when they um, try to put Michael Smith and Jamel Hill on the six o'clock sports center it was watered down it didn't really work out. Eventually, we saw Jamel Hill leave. Michael Smith is gone. Um, like I said, Josina Anderson, Carrie Champion. I mean, this is just a pattern that's been going on for a while. They tried to do something with Dan Lebertard as well. Um, ESPN, they just had a whole cultural change. And like Bomani Jones, for example, we had a radio show from like three to six or four to six. You know who they replaced Bomani Jones' radio show with? Will Kane. <laughs> The same Will Kane that's now on Fox News. <laughs> so this is this type of culture has been going on ESPN. It's been going on for a while, but we're just really seeing it fester over. 
And, um, you know, it's funny to me that people like Jamel Hill and gone, but they still have Sage Steele on there. And Sage Steele said some wild stuff, too, but it's on the other side of the spectrum. We even had an article, I remember earlier this year, talking about Sage Steele was mad that L. Duncan, another black woman, replaced her, I think, on the 6 o'clock Sports Center. Mm-hmm. And Sage Steele was upset about moving from the 6 o'clock to the – um, 12 o'clock noon sports center and complain about L Duncan and all that stuff. So this is just, you know, par for the course of ESPN, man. As far as um, Maria Taylor, I mean, we know she's talented. I mean, she hosts college game day. She works solid in the football games, hosts countdown, works solid in basketball games. She's very talented. If this is the end of the road for her, because her contract's up at the NBA finals. If this is the end of the road for her at ESPN, somebody's going to break the bank for her, whether it's Fox, Turner, Bleacher Report, CBS, whatever. Somebody gonna break the bank for it, man. But this is why, as black people, we are always skeptical when somebody tries to portray themselves as a ally. Because you know, you it's an ally until somebody moves ahead of you in rank and a company or in life in general. Then all of a sudden, it's a diversity hire. And the fact that like you said that she tried to say it was a diversity hire just discredits. Maria Taylor's uh, credibility as a journalist, as a host and sideline reporter, everything that she does, it just completely discredits her talent. And Rachel Nichols, uh, I did some homework. So apparently Rachel Nichols got the job at ESPN three years after she graduated because she had a connection. I think Diane Sawyer, somebody like that, pretty much pushed her right through. So she got the job. So I'm trying to figure out what, is Rachel Nichols talking about when she said, I know how to feel be minority as a woman. When you got privilege from a connection that you had to even get in ESPN as quickly as you did, pure privilege. She literally, in three three years, she went from Northwestern to, you know, on ESPN just like that. She, she didn't really have to grind her way through like Maria Taylor did to get to where Maria Taylor has gone. She had a connection with somebody that worked in television and used the connection. And, you know, whether you say she was qualified or not, she got in and, you know, whatever. And then as soon as somebody is a threat to her job, she comes out with this. This is a good look. And I don't know how people on the jump, Kendrick Perkins, um, some of the other guys that come on the jump. Steven I don't know Jackson, how they can. Barnes. Yeah, I don't know how they can come on the jump now after seeing this and work with Rachel Nichols. And then another thing I found interesting was that ESPN told Maria that they would include Rachel on NBA Countdown. But then they had segments with Rachel Nichols on Countdown where she went like two weeks later, Rachel Nichols was on Countdown, even though she didn't interact with Maria Taylor, she was still on the show after they told Maria Taylor that she wasn't going to be on the show. That's just disrespectful, man. Like you can't, say you're going to handle a situation, and then literally two weeks later, three weeks later, you have Rachel Nichols on the segment on Countdown when you told Maria that she wasn't going to be on Countdown. And I'm glad that, you know, some of the people like Jalen Rose and we've seen Josina Anderson, Carrie Champion, um, speak up for Maria Taylor. And if this is the end of the road for Maria ESPN, I wish her the best. But like you said, this is just a pattern that's been going on at ESPN. Um you know, they can put all these statements out and all these messaging out about, you know, George Floyd and all this other stuff. But the way that they treated minorities within the company just is a completely different statement from what they the messaging that they're trying to put out and, you know, through their little ads and all this other stuff. It's just completely different 
the way they treat the people within the company. And you've seen, you, you, I mean, you've seen players, um, especially on Twitter, especially last night and even this morning, you've seen players, former players, even Jalen Rose. I think Jalen Rose put up that he's on um, Maria Taylor's side right now. He supports a true black queen. I can't remember his exact words, but that's what he was alluding to. And I mean, and I mean, just look, take a look at what Rachel Nicholson at the end of her comments, what she said. She said, if you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find somewhere else. And then, like, I mean, just look at it. Like, think about what she said. Your crappy longtime record on diversity, which is true. They do have a crappy longtime record on diversity. But where she messed up. She said from the female side of it, like, go for it. It's almost like as if it's just think about it. It's, it's, it's almost like she's speaking from, you know, the feminine side, you know, feminism side of it, as far as women being discredited in um, ESPN networks where they don't make as much as men, her, their men counterparts, or um, just the lack of women in that type of male dominated sport. But then she goes on and say diversity hiring. That's what literally screwed her up like she has like I said from the beginning she has complete and the right to be upset about possibly losing her job especially losing her contract that she'll be doing this doing that she has right to be upset but where she messed up is making it about diversity bringing Maria Taylor's race into the whole equation that's where she completely completely screwed up I say something real quick this is just a fact and I've looked it up and it's a fact and it's, I saw it on the internet, you know, people all talk about diversity hires and affirmative action, but you know who benefits the most from affirmative action? You want to know who benefits the most from affirmative action? White women yep. benefit the most from affirmative action, even though half of them hate affirmative action, but guess who benefits the most from it? White women, not black men, not black women, not Latinos, white women. So To say that is a diversity hire, in my opinion, because we know the hierarchy is white men. And in my opinion, white women are the next in line. So for her to try to throw out that she knows, I mean, I understand that women go through struggle. I completely understand that. But to sit there and talk about women's struggle and then to try to sit there and talk about diversity hire just shows who Rachel Nichols really is, man. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's funny how she can sit there and stand for, you know, um, you know, social, you know, stand against blacks being oppressed by uh, cops or, you know, social injustices, uh, you know, the whole George Floyd stuff when they had Stephen Jackson on, on many occasions. And, you know, Stephen Jackson was, you know, very, you know, he spoke his mind about the whole George Floyd situation, um, you know, him being close to the family, you know, whatever the case is, George, uh, he was very, very vocal about the whole situation. But it's just like she says all this stuff in front of a camera but behind closed doors where she's being secretly recorded, her true feelings are being put on front street. When a person shows you their true colors, believe, believe them. Yep. It's just, it's just, it's just clear as day. So from this point going forward, how can you put that lady back on television, which the show airs at 4 PM today, it's going to be very interesting to see if ESPN puts her back on TV today, because how do you put her back on TV after all this stuff is going forward? You've had uh, publications and leaks come out that a lot of people have been putting on social media that basically ESPN is trying to find a way to uh, fix the situation right now, but there's no way in the hell you can put her back on TV this day, you know, today at 4 PM when the show airs and don't give me no weak ass apology. I don't want to hear it because 
anything from ESPN right now, anything from Rachel Nicholson is all bullshit right now because we know how you truly feel about blacks. We know how you feel about, you know, minorities getting jobs and you're thinking the whole Black Lives Matter, Me Too movement is just a joke. And you and your little publicist, LeBron publicist, who LeBron need to fire, he need to fire his ass right now also. Like, don't give me all, all that bullshit. Save, save the bullshit for somebody else because I don't believe anything you got to say towards the black community, social injustices, uh, oppression against blacks, um, police brutality. I don't want to hear nothing from you at all whatsoever because anything you say going forward, I don't believe because I know who you truly are behind closed doors. We've seen that transpire. The person from ES, um, ESPN being suspended because she leaked the video to ESPN and let them know that what was going on. She, in my opinion, I get the knock on her recording. I get how it can look as far as her secretly recording because you can get in trouble for that. So I guess that's probably why she was suspended. The whole notion for her, um, you know, reporting to HR, it shouldn't be looked down upon because this is really Rachel Nicholson's thoughts about a black minority being hired who is well obligated to have the job, who's well credentialed, who, who has her degree, who has experience in the field, who does hell of a job on any task she's had in the past. She's well credentialed, she deserves a job. She's up for a renewal contract. She told you all to keep that lady away from her. She's refused any type of fake apology or issue from Rachel Nichols completely in the past. This has been going on for a year now. And that's what that's what's more shocking to me, that this has happened over a year ago. The news just broke, and we're just now hearing about it. Like, it just shows you, like, what else is being swept under the rug? You read some of these comments from some of these Black minority um, people on social media who are in sports, and all they've been saying is this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, this stuff has been going on for years. This is just one incident. One incident that's been going on for years that was, you know, all this is withheld from us for over a year, and we're just not finding out about it. That just makes it seem like what else is ESPN or these other um, sports media entertainment groups are hiding from the media. I mean, just hiding from us in general, man. I just, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look to begin with, man. Yeah. It is, man. And like you, like you said earlier, the fact that they try to throw a fake story, talk about, you know, Maria Taylor basically being greedy, wanting Stephen Smith money because they knew it was going to drop. It's just a, it's bullshit, man. Yeah. First of all, Maria Taylor deserves that money for all the work that she puts in to work, you know, to do college football, NBA, to show her versatility. And then you sit there and throw out there that she's just, oh, she's just being greedy. It's bullshit, man. Yeah. It really is. It's sad. It's, it, it's sad that it came down to this. And it's sad that it's, it's it's more sad. It just what really hurts me and breaks my heart in, in a way is just like, yo, like she really tried to discredit another black woman based on her credentials and everything else. And it's almost like she tried to make it like she wasn't legit for having her job when in fact she was. But she wanted to bring race into it. And then you see all these dang on dumbasses on, you know, these platforms saying that, oh, why is everything about race? You just saw why it's about race. Clear as day. It, Maria Taylor didn't bring race into this. Rachel did. Rachel came out of her mouth and said this was a diversity hiring for ESPN. Long time history of uh, being crappy towards diversity. This came out of Rachel's mouth. A mm-hmm. white woman. Mm-hmm. A, you know, like, don't blame this on Maria. Maria didn't do, she didn't do shit. Excuse my language, but she didn't do nothing. Yeah. All she was trying to do was get a better job. It was time for her contract to be renewed. She's due for a pay raise, mm-hmm. and she didn't do nothing. She, hasn't been, she hasn't been in trouble with the law. She yeah. hasn't been for speed 
tickets. She hasn't been arrested for domestic violence. She was due for a contract renewal, so she didn't do nothing. So don't try to flip this back on Maria like ESPN tried to do, and they try to be slick with it too. They try to bring that story back days prior to this because it's almost like ESPN news story. This story is going to leak, so they brought that bullshit story about her salary demands a couple of days prior. Like, don't try to be slick like that because you see how it's backfiring y'all asses now? Mm-hmm. It literally just backfiring y'all and you got ESPN look like, are they on a bunch of races right now? That's yeah. what ESPN looks like right now. They look, they look racist. Real quick, Ron, because Maria Taylor played, did she play basketball at Georgia? Some, what's she a, so who would you rather listen to when it comes to just the game of basketball or whatever? Would you rather value, you value Maria Taylor's opinion on the sport more or Rachel Nichols? I ain't, you know, I ain't like I don't even got to say, man. Like exactly, <laughs> that that that's all there is to it, man. All right, speaking of basketball, man, let's move on to the NBA Finals, man. Because this, yeah, I'm tired of talking. This shit got me hot, bro. <laughs> yeah, we all know that um, the NBA Finals start tomorrow night. Um, we got the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns. We have two Carolina natives, CP3, um, who's from Western Salem area, uh, Clemens to be exact, I believe. And then you have PJ Tucker for the Bucks. Who was from Raleigh? Went to um what, Onlo? I with, think so. uh, Lavelle Moton and Nate McMillan. They both all are um you know alumni from Onlo here in Raleigh. Um, you have a matchup where you have the Bucks who potentially may be missing Giannis, the Greek freak, um from the NBA Finals. Uh, I think word came out earlier today. I saw that um he is questionable for Game One. Um, I don't honestly believe that he. If he's able to play, he's going to be that effective. When it, with a hyperextension with that knee, it's almost like it's, it's very severe. And I don't think that even if he does play, um, any type of movement on that knee can potentially tear the ACL, which would he'll be out for a year if that does happen. Um, the Bucks have looked very, very good without Giannis in the last several days, you know, the last several games. Um, you had the Phoenix Suns who are coming in hot, you know, CP3 leading the show. Um they're looking really, really good right now. The Suns are. Um, CP3, you know, brought this team to the playoffs. They missed the playoffs last year. Um, this is the first time since 1974 where the Bucks are in the finals. Um, the only person with NBA finals experience within this matchup is Jay Crowder, who played for Miami Heat last year. They lost in six games to the Lakers. Um, what are your keys to the series, T? Um, for the Bucks, give me your keys uh, for the Bucks and give me your keys for the Suns. And I'll give you my thoughts um, after. Uh, well, first key is going to be Giannis's health and how effective he can be. Like you say, he has a hyperextended knee. We know Giannis, his favorite two go-to moves are the Euro step and his spin move. If he can't really put a lot of weight or extend the knee properly, that's going to take away two of his most effective moves. Um, I think the first key, I think the one major key in this series, even if Giannis played, is coaching. And I give the coaching edge to – um, PG County's own Monty Williams. I know we have a lot of listeners at PG County DMV area, so I'm going to give y'all a shout-out real quick. But Monty Williams, in my opinion, is head and shoulders a better coach than uh, Budenholzer. Um, so I think that gives Phoenix a huge edge. We've seen Monty Williams make adjustments. Um, you know, Chris Paul is out, campaign stepped in, didn't miss a beat. Um, we've seen DeAndre Ayton play well. I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be a very, very key player. Because if Giannis is healthy, the Bucs do have an advantage in the paint. You can put Lopez in the paint, Giannis in the paint. Because besides, excuse me, besides DeAndre Ayton, Phoenix really doesn't have much of a physical presence in the paint. You know, they got Saric, Jay Crowder's an undersized power forward. 
um, Tory Craig. I mean, they really don't have a deep interior presence. So the Bucks can really punish Phoenix in the paint, whether it's Brooke Lopez, Giannis, or a combination of both, Bobby Portis, uh, even P.J. Tucker. It really is going to come down to, I think, the Suns' three best players versus the Bucks, depending on if Giannis is there or not. If Giannis is 80% of what he can be, I think it's going to be very tight. But you look at Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton versus, let's say right now, it's just Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez. You will give the edge to Phoenix, their big three. Um, Phoenix has an edge on the perimeter as well. They're deeper at the guard in wing position. Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, with Devin Booker. They're just better on the perimeter. Um, I know the Bucs have played well um, without Giannis for those two games, but Atlanta didn't have Trey Young for game five, and he really wasn't healthy game six. And Atlanta also didn't have DeAndre Hunter. That was a key piece missing. So – Going from Atlanta to Phoenix is just a different level of competition. And my other key is I think if, if Giannis is effective, it might just come down to who wants their first championship more, whether it's Chris Paul or Giannis, because both of them are desperate for a title. But I think Chris Paul needs this title more than Giannis does because Giannis is, what, 24, 25? He still has the rest of his career ahead of him and possibly other opportunity to get to find that. For me, I don't think Chris Paul is going to have a better opportunity to win a championship than right now. Um, they've been rumblings that Chris Paul actually might leave Phoenix after this year. Um, I've heard the New York Knicks are in play. It all depends on the type of contract that Phoenix wants to give them. If they want to give Chris Paul a large contract at 36, which a lot of teams haven't done in the past. Um, I think Chris Paul knows that this is his best chance to win a ring. Um, and I think knowing, uh, given Phoenix's advantage with the coaching and on the perimeter, and we just don't know if Giannis is really going to be effective. I think I'm going to say Phoenix right now in six. Mm-hmm. If Giannis is effective and healthy, I could see this going seven, but I would still pick Phoenix. I just think they're better on the perimeter. I think they can attack you in more ways. And then also we've seen the Bucks in the postseason just flat out play dumbass basketball. Mm-hmm. They, fa- they fall in love with the three-point shot a lot when they have a clear advantage in the paint, but they'll jack up threes instead of going inside of Brooke Lopez or Giannis or – They'll have Giannis at the top of the key, which I still don't understand why you have Giannis at the top of the key. It didn't work in 2019 versus Toronto. It didn't work last year versus Miami. And at times this year in the postseason didn't work. When the Bucs have been effective is when Giannis has been on the paint and on the Mm -hmm. block, he would just bully his way and finish, dunk on somebody. And at times he's showing a little hook shot, a little turnaround game. But don't have Giannis at the top of the key just driven. One, it kills the ball movement of the Bucs. We've seen the Bucks move the ball better without Giannis those last two games. Um, the ball moves more. Brook Lopez is in the paint where he belongs, not jacking up threes. Um, so if Giannis does come back, which style of play are they going to play? Are they going to play Giannis at the top of the key? Or are they going to move the ball, put Giannis on the block, maybe run some off-ball screens to get him in the paint, get some favorable matchups inside? Because I just don't see anybody really stopping Giannis on the block in this series. You know, they, they what you gonna put Jay Crowder on Giannis? I mean, I just don't see Jay Crowder stopping Giannis in the paint. Giannis is just gonna bully him over. Um, but yeah, I just don't know 
if Budenholzer's going to make the necessary adjustments as well. We've seen him still use that drop coverage on the pick and roll with Lopez. And, I mean, when you got Chris Paul coming around that corner with his pull-up mid-range game, you got Devin Booker's mid-range game, you play drop coverage against those two guys, you're going to get absolutely tortured. Mm-hmm. They – and we've seen a reluctance of Budenholzer to adjust his defensive schemes this postseason. Um, Specifically the pick and roll. Yeah, I mean, we saw Trey Young absolutely torch their pick and roll coverage in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. We saw KD and Kyrie when he was healthy torch that drop coverage um, at times versus the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And Mike Budenholzer just doesn't really make adjustments. And I think Monty Williams will make the necessary adjustments as the series goes along. So I'm going to say Suns and six. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, you alluded to – a lot of was up, you know, a lot of what I was going to say, uh, especially um, points in the paint. I think was it game five against the Hawks? The Bucks had like sixty-six points in the paint. I mean, that's just like you know, fifteen, nineteen from the charity stripe in game five, uh, nineteen and twenty-one in game six. I mean, you know, they live in the paint, live in the charity stripe. Well, like you said, when you're jacking up threes, which they kept doing, and they even had Charles Barkley on TNT uh, inside show. They were uh, NBA, uh, t- you know, t- uh, TNT NBA show where he was saying that. Um, the Bucks, I think it might have been game five. They were trailing. No, I think they, they were actually up at the half by four or five. Um, but they were like cold as ice from you know from the perimeter. And they're just like he's saying, like, hey, when you got the interior presence on the inside, why do you consistently keep jacking up threes? Specifically, Brooke Lopez, seven footer shooting threes, like, dude, you have a clear mismatch on the inside against the Hawks. And the second half, they turned it completely around, like you said, attack the paint, attack their interior. You got big bodies on the inside. You even you didn't really mention this, but Bobby Portis, people really not mention his name a lot, but like, yeah, you know, he's not necessarily scoring on the inside. I think the other game he had like twelve points, but I mean, like he had like seven rebounds, three blocks. I mean, like he's bringing energy off the you know off the bench, especially on the defensive end. You had that type of presence on the inside, along with PJ Tucker, with Drew Holiday, uh, with Chris Middleton. They're all capable lockdown defenders. The mismatch here, I think, is going to be. When DeAndre Ayton goes out the game, who do you put on the interior to compete with Brook Lopez and P.J. Tucker, who P.J. Tucker is, what, like 6'6", 6'5"? Um, he's, he's a big, strong body. He's a big, strong guy, though. He gives – I mean, heck, he gives any type of offensive player problems. I think sometimes you will see him matched up with Devin Booker. Um, you've seen even in the Brooklyn Nets series where they had P.J. on KD a lot. Um, you know, KD is probably arguably the best offensive player – in the game of basketball right now. He's been the best offensive player in basketball outside of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson for the last several years, in my opinion. Um, but he's hell of a defender. So any bucket you get on him, you're going to work. You go, I mean, it's not going to be just easy. You know, it's going to be easy at all. Like, he makes you work for every bucket. I think for the keys for the Bucks will be P.J. Tucker, Drew Holiday, containing the backcourt of CP3 and Devin Booker. That's huge. Uh, Chris Middleton, he has to continue being consistent. Um, you know, he showed that and I saw I heard this earlier. They said that he's the heart of the team, but Giannis is the soul of the team. I think it's the other way around. I think that Chris Middleton, when Chris Middleton is consistent, he just signed that big contract this offseason. He's arguably top 20 player, um, top 20 player, two-way player, in my opinion, because he's going to bring it offensively, especially with his main rate jumper. When he's hitting threes, he's almost, um, almost unstoppable, but he plays defense also, especially on the perimeter. When Drew Holiday is pretty much locked in, um, and not worried about the offensive player just giving him buckets and wanting to match him point for point. 
when he's more focused on just being a defensive stopper, initiating offense, he's hell of a player. And I think that for the Bucs, they got to continue attacking the paint. That's their motto and their focal point, attacking the paint against the Suns, who outside of Aiton are pretty much lacking on the interior. And I think that the keys for the Suns will be definitely CP3 initiating the offense. You know, he's the engine of that offense. Um, Devin Booker being consistent for sure. Um, you know, ball movement. The role players of the Suns this series will be huge, yeah. especially, uh, you know, campaign Cam Johnson, um, Jay Crowder, Miles Bridges, exactly. Like these guys, you can't be taking ill shots, forcing action on offense. You know, CP3 is going to find you. Um, you know, play your role, know your role and stick to it. Don't try to be a hero. It's NBA Finals. I want to know who's going to fold under pressure. You know, outside of Jay Crowder, no other player on any. On, on these rosters have any type of finals experience. So it's going to be, you know, can these players stick to the model, stick to your guns, know your role, and play, just play team basketball. And that's what it boils down to. I'm not folding under pressure because we know that CP3 is dying for a ring. This is his best opportunity to get a ring. Um, like you said earlier, between him and Giannis, who does this mean more into? Of course it's CP3. He's much older. I think he's what, like 30, 34, 35? 36. 36 at that. So he's not going to get a better opportunity than this year right now to get a championship, especially with um, the West loaded next year. When you're getting Steph and Clay back, you're getting mm-hmm. a lot of players back that have been injured this season, a healthy LeBron, a healthy AD. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. You don't know what trades are going to happen this offseason. Um, you know, CP3 potentially going to New York, which, like you said, that's been rumored a lot. But like you said, players his age usually don't get that type of contract extension because I think he's trying to get a three-digit contract extension which is very unlikely at his age it really hasn't happened before so it's going to be huge man but like i said um i think the mismatch right here is going to be the pick and roll how do phoenix attack the pick and roll um with brooke lopez because brooke lopez tends to fade back you saw in the last several series where when they bring him in a pick and roll he tends to cheat back towards the basket and you've seen kd light his ass up on many occasions um you've seen this last year he was getting killed with um with trey young lighting him up also um, but can he stay disciplined on that perimeter on the pick and roll defending? Because that's obvious what's going to happen. We know CB3 is the mid-range king in the NBA. Like the left side, right side, corner bas- corner shot, he's key. Like that's just his shot. He, he really doesn't miss in that area at all. And you know the Suns. You know Monty Williams is going to be licking his chops on that pick and roll because if you cheat – that's what CP3 or dang on Devin Booker, who Devin Booker can hit the three or the mid-range game. So it's just like, how do you, how do you defend that? And I, and this is another thing I want to bring up. I don't believe that the Greek freak, if he plays, this is kind of obvious. I don't think it's going to be that healthy. I really don't. And I think that they kind of hide things behind the scenes. I'll be surprised to see Greek freak play this series, but I really do. Anytime you saw in the past that somebody has a hyperextended knee, they miss a nice amount of time. And I know it's the NBA Finals. I know that he's dying for this ring. I know that he suited up last game. He had a brace on his knee. But I'm just like, yo, like, how healthy is that knee? How effective will the Greek freak be if he does play in this series? Will the Phoenix Suns attack him personally on the defensive end to see his lateral movement? You've seen the last series with the Brooklyn Nets where you saw where a lot the teams were attacking James Harden off the dribble because he really couldn't move at all. There were times on defense he was just literally just lobbing on one leg, man. I mean, like, this is, you know – your knee's nothing to play around with. He's a young, upcoming star. He's the face of the NBA, in my opinion. He has a lot to lose if he comes out here, plays, and re-injures his knee. You'll have another situation where potentially it's a Kawhi Leonard situation where um, he doesn't trust the medical staff. He could potentially force his way out. 
he just signed a huge contract with last year, two years ago, I believe. So yeah, it's last just, year he signed a huge extension. I think it's, it's a lot of stake. NBA history. Yeah, it's a lot of stake for him. And you don't want to really that will kind of rub him the wrong way where you've seen this happen with Kawhi Leonard. You've seen it happen with Kevin Durant. You've seen it happen with some of these stars in the league where, hey, like, you, I'm putting my faith in the organization to take care of me, but what's your best interest right now? Yeah, and real quick, I know you mentioned Kawhi Leonard, and I know this is kind of off topic, but I'm glad you mentioned team doctors because there's been rumbles that Kawhi Leonard isn't really happy with the Clippers medical staff. Um, that's why you really they really didn't say much about his injury. Um, we've seen the situation play out in San Antonio, and do not be surprised if you see Kawhi Leonard in the Miami Heat jersey next year, you heard it here first. I've been seeing rumblings and rumors about it on Twitter from guys that know the situation pretty well, and the rumblings are starting to really heat up. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't – if he opts out of his contract, Kawhi Leonard will either be a Dallas Maverick or in Miami with Jimmy Butler in the Miami it's funny. Heat. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I did read something. I think it was last week it said that uh, – Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson for Kawhi. I think I read something like that. Would you pull the trigger? If you're the Miami Heat, absolutely. Because we Tyler right. Hero just fell off yeah. after the bubble. Yeah. Dating the IG model. I think he knocked her up. And and we, sometimes we've seen some of these NBA players when they mess with these IG models, man, they're not focused. They start, they get the fame. They start doing other things. We've seen Hero all over social media and all types of clips and footage and stuff and not really working on this game. He just fell off. So if you're the Miami Heat, you made that trade in a heartbeat. And plus, I think Kawhi Leonard could actually just opt out and sign with Miami. Now, they might have to make some trades for cap reasons to make room for him. But, you know, I'm glad, you, you know, team doctors and stuff, that's something to pay attention to. But I think Giannis will play in this series by game three. I think we'll see Giannis out there. But – um, hopefully the medical staff does right by Giannis and they really don't put him out there unless he's hundred percent. We saw a situation, you know, Golden State and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Kevin Durant had no business being out there. They tried to say it was a calf injury, but um, that series was Houston. I told somebody, I, I think I might've told you during that series. I think he tore his Achilles. Mm-hmm. I think it was an Achilles injury that they tried to hide as a calf injury and they threw Katie out there because they were down three, one, they were desperate for when then his Achilles literally exploded on national TV. Like it literally just exploded. Like it was disgusting watching his lower leg and what happened to his Achilles. He had no business being out there. I think that's one reason why Durant, I mean, I think Durant was going to leave anyway, but that had to be like the nail in the coffin for Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors. So I hope, hopefully these medical staffs do right by Giannis. Um, the Bucks medical staff does right by Giannis. And if he does out there, hopefully he can be effective. We want to see the best players on the court in the finals. Mm-hmm. And this postseason has been, a year where we've unlike anything we've seen, not even like the lockout year in 99 when they, you know, they rushed 50 games in, you know, and it's such a time where they're playing like four games in five nights. It's a crazy schedule. We, we haven't seen anything like the injuries we've seen this postseason, man. And, you know, thank God the NBA is getting back to their regular schedule. Um, Cause it's been brutal on these guys, man. You know, they've literally, the Lakers literally had what two months off and they had to just come right back into the season. Then with all the COVID postponements, you know, the schedule was so condensed mm-hmm. that guy, it's, it's been brutal, man. We, we, we want to see the best guys on the court. I think both teams are deserving to be here. Cause we've seen people try to throw a little shot. about, Oh, this isn't legitimate finals, but I mean, injuries are part of the game and you can't put asterisks in championships. Cause I mean, if you're going to put asterisks on this championship. Then are you going to put asterisks, you know, in the lockout years? 
where they crammed games into such a short time period. I mean, I've seen crazy stuff on social media. I think both these teams deserve to be here and hopefully have a good series. I think it will be a good series. I think these games will be competitive. Uh, I think these teams, because they don't have a lot of final experience, there are many times where they fall under pressure. And it's really going to be about composure. I, and that's why I think I'm giving the edge to Phoenix. I think they just had the better coach. And I think he'll have his team more composed than the Bucs. And like you said, we've seen the Bucs just play dumb basketball at times. So, yeah. I think if Greek, I think if the Greek freak was 100% healthy, I would probably choose the Bucks in seven, only if he was healthy. But I really don't believe, I don't trust his knee at all. I've been reading stuff, I've been seeing. The, you know, um, the team putting out certain things. I'm just like, I don't believe – I believe even when he dumps – if he does return, you know, like you said, game three potentially, um, he's not going to be healthy. I really don't. And I think that CP3 is dying for a ring. This is the best opportunity. I believe if he wins a championship ring, you could possibly consider him a top five point guard in NBA history. He's going to be a Hall of Famer first ballot, multiple all-star, um, multiple first team, you know, all pro, all NBA He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but if he wins a ring this year, I think that you can make a discussion for him being potentially top five point guard um, of all time uh, with, you know, Magic, Isaiah, uh, you know, the great side, John Stockton's, uh, you know, just uh, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, he's he would have a nice argument. Um, Are you buying or selling Pat Beverly's apology? Hell no. (laughs) You don't push a man in the back. That's one of the weak. That's one of the weakest moves you can do is to push somebody in the back when they're not even like paying attention that's, that's a weak move man that's a weak move see pat beverly loves to talk and run his mouth he was making fun of chris paul when chris paul fell on his back in game five talking about he was flailing and flopping or whatever but then when chris paul was giving him the business we know chris paul's from winston so we know he can talk some trash pat beverly does that man it's weak man like are that, you that, buying or selling aaron Rodgers to the broncos after the news dropped this morning that he is still not showing up to Packer facility, he still wants to be traded. Um, they had on, I think, uh, what was it? I can't remember the ESPN show they had that basically uh, he wants to be traded. I think the Broncos is a potential landing spot. Um, they just got Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> this past offseason, but you know, damn well, he's not starting over Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers lands in Denver. Are you buying them, buying or selling Aaron Rodgers in a Denver Bronco uniform? Hmm. I am going to sell for now because I just want to see what happens during training camp first. I think it's highly likely that he could end up in Denver, but we'll see what happens with training camp. It's, it, this is going to be a long, drawn-out process. I probably might actually go into the season. So for now, I'm going to sell, but we'll see what happens during training camp. I got a wild card for you. Buying or sell the Panthers – Eight or more wins this season. I am going to let's see, they're playing 17 games. Eight wins. I'm gonna buy, but I'm gonna give them eight wins. I think they'll go eight and nine. Okay. I think they'll be slightly improved. Um, but I still have questions about the offensive line and the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what Sam Darnold is. You know, we saw him with the Jets and he wasn't good, but you know, the Jets are horrible and I still need to see the Panthers' offensive line before I make judgment on um, with them winning, you know, more than eight games. But I think eight games is likely. So I'm gonna go right at eight. I'm gonna, so. And the last but not least for the show today, are you buy or selling the Olympics and the Federation banning Shakari Richardson over weed 
which the state that she lives in is legal. Are you buying or selling their sorry ass excuse for them banning her from the hundred meter dash? I think they said she could run in the relay races, I believe, because it'll be past 30 days suspension or however suspension they have it lined up. I think they said she can run in the relays, but she can't run in the hundred meter dash uh, versus um, the duo of Jamaica. Are you buying or selling the Olympics banning her from the hundred meter dash? Hard sell. Hard sell. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go on a little mini tangent real quick. So first off, why are we drug testing for marijuana in 2021? Weed is not a performance enhancing drug. If anything, we would slow her down. The fact that she ran a 10, eight, Smoking weed is incredible. Because I know, Roy, you don't smoke weed, but weed slows you down. Weed, weed slows you down. It is not a performance-enhancing drug. Why are we drug testing for weed in 2021? It's beyond me. Like you said, in the state that she lives in, is legal. And it's ridiculous that some people are being punished and still going to jail for weed, while other people, and we know who these people are, are making millions off of cannabis and dispensary industry and all types of stuff. And then they set the rules and to make it very, very hard to get into the industry. And we've seen some people go to jail and you still get punished for weed. Other people can make millions off of it. It's bullshit. Um, you know, all the people talking about what well, rules are rules. You know, people are very, people are very selective which rules they follow as well. I mean, so if rules are rules, so, you know, if you get a speeding ticket and you complain, but oh, rules are rules. I like, you know, you, you speed, people break the law all the time and they're very selective about which rules they follow, which rule or something like this comes up how they criticize people and then they go to rules of rules, but then other people violate the rules all the time. So Michael Phelps, was it rules is rules of Michael Phelps? Ryan Locke, who faked that arm robbery during the Olympics. Remember, he said he, Ryan Locke, the, the gold medal swimmer during the Olympics, said he was robbed and video evidence later suggested that he was lying about the whole ordeal. They let him compete for a gold medal. Exactly. And then some people in the media talking about, oh, well, boys will be boys and he's a kid. Was he like, almost 30 at the time and they try to go they try to use the boys will be boys or he's a kid line and then Al uh Al Roker went off on them uh, I still remember Al uh Roker just completely went off on NBC about the whole Ryan Lochte situation it's very funny how you know some people they just let us slide but then other people oh rules are rules and we, we, and we know, know why. what it is we know, we know exactly what it is we ain't got to say nothing else about it man we know exactly what it is bro like I said some people can make millions and set rules and make it very hard to get into the cannabis industry. And other people have gone to jail for decades over ounces and grams of weed. Like there are people who are still going to jail over grams and an ounce of weed. Think about how small a gram of weed is. <laughs> Think an ounce is not a lot of weed either. And people are still going to jail over that stuff and have a whole war on drugs against them. And other people can make millions off of weed. It's ridiculous, man. Why are we drug testing for weed in 2021? We know the IOC isn't um, we know the IOC isn't a very credible organization, man. The Olympics in general, you know, these these countries pay billions of dollars and get promises about how the Olympics are going to generate all this revenue and stuff, and they got to build all these stadiums and stuff, and they displace people, and they build all this stuff, and then right at the Olympics, the countries go to shit, basically. The economy goes to shit. Everything goes to shit. Um, you know, they banned the um the afro caps uh you know for the swimmers. What does a cap have to do with somebody's ability to swim? Like what what does a cap, a swimming cap have to, like a, a swimming cap supposed to make you swim faster? Like seriously, like what does that have to do with anything? And then the situation, I can't remember her name, but Brianna McMill banned yeah. from 
a five-year ban, I'll let you allude to. I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about it because it's ridiculous. A five-year ban because she missed her drug testing date because she was getting a procedure done. I believe it was an abortion. Abortion, yep. And instead of – they could have rescheduled it, knowing that she had to get an abortion, which is a procedure. It's a medical procedure, so, you know, it can things can get complicated with that as well. So there's some risk to having an abortion. Instead of rescheduling, they banned it for five years. Like, the way that the Olympics have treated Black women this year has been horrible. From the um, Shakara situation to the, um, the, the cap with the swimming – the hair caps to this situation. It's been a horrible look for the Olympics, man. Like, um, I'm going to read a statement from her. She said, I just tried to keep the abortion private, but they just kept tugging and tugging at me. Wanting more information. I couldn't believe that I was charged with a violation because I had the dates mixed up by just 24 hours. It's not like the procedure didn't happen. So because she had the dates mixed up by 24 hours, she wanted to keep her abortion private, which she has the right to do as a woman. Yeah, HIPAA rights. They, like. they, they hit her, thank you, HIPAA rights. They hit her with a five-year ban for abortion. Why? We know why. And then, real quick, wasn't there a, um, another uh, woman that apparently tested positive for something that she tried to use the excuse that it was something in the meat? And that I think she's able to participate? Yeah, she was, yeah I did read that. Her, uh I have to find an article. Yeah, I did read that where it was it was some type of chemical in the was it steak or something she was eating? Some it was something she was eating that it was a chemical in. She tested positive for what a PhD or uh PD uh, performance enhancing drug. She tested positive for it, and then afterwards, I think they excused her because they actually found some type of chemical within the meat. I think they said she might have been like uh food poison or some bull crap, and they allowed her they they allowed her to participate. I, I have read it recently. I'm just like like you said, it's selective. It's very selective on who they want and who they don't want. And then um, we've seen, like the- um, not to cut you off, but not to talk over you, but I think it was another situation where some women had elevated levels of testosterone, yeah. but some women have more testosterone than others, and they go through hell and high water to get their T levels down to you know participate, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's one thing, if it's you know, you're taking steroids or, you know, supplements that can raise your levels, but some women just naturally produce more testosterone than others. It's like some men naturally have more estrogen than others mm-hmm. and they have to take supplements to balance, you know, the hormones. And it's ridiculous that some of these, these women are getting punished and they have to go through hell to try to get their levels down and just get banned anyway. When that's just their body's natural, their body's natural, but naturally producing that level of testosterone. It's ridiculous, man, what's going on at the Olympics and how they've been treating women, specifically women of uh, color, and, you know, all people talking about well, rules are rules. Well, you know, <laughs> keep that same energy when it happens to you, because, all you know, when it happens to them, they just make a whole bunch of excuses. Oh, boys will be boys or whatever. Or they make all types of excuses, man. It was just a kid. <laughs> just, it's just it's just it's like they will go out their way to make these excuses for people not of color. Like, it's just like. uh I'm lost for words, man. Just like I said, it's been a it's been a wild two weeks of sports, but the last week, uh, specifically the last five days, have been like just like crazy with the Shakari Richardson being banned from the hundred meters to the Rachel Nichols story. Um, it's just it's a lot going on in sports right now, and it's just not a good look. And it's just one thing to have these companies 
wanting to be brand ambassadors for the Black Lives Matter movement and diversity and um, standing up for people of color and police brutality, systematic oppression, social injustices, but you treat our people of color like shit. It's just, it's just, you say one thing in the media, but you act another way behind closed doors. And it's just like, yeah, man. You know, if you just keep keep that same energy on both sides of the spectrum. Don't sit here and tell these people and you know you portray to be one way and you want to stand up for all these black organizations and just people of color, but are you really standing up for people of color? Exactly. And one, one last thing before we go, man. I know people are talking about well, you know, accountability. Well, Shakira Richardson took accountability. She said she knew what she did. And she took you no know, responsibility for it. But at the end of the day, it's a bad rule. It needs to change. Marijuana is not a performance-enhancing drug. And um, hopefully, Shakira Richardson comes back um, and qualifies for the next Olympic circuit and you know the U.S. Championship and World Championship. I think she has a bright future ahead of her. And who are we to tell people how to cope? Her mother died. And people, people are on social media trying to tell her how to cope. But how can you tell somebody who lost their mother how to cope? It's ridiculous, man. And yeah, she, yeah, she made a wrong decision and she took a responsibility for it. But who are we to sit here and tell people how to cope with a situation like that? Especially in when a, a lot state, of people. Yeah. In a, in a state that's legal in. It's legal in her state that she lives in. It's legal. Mic drop. I'm done. I'm done. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all listening and continuing support. We'll be back next week. We'll see what happens this week in the world of sports. The NBA Finals starts tomorrow. We got games Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Um, we got the Euro Cup. We got some boxing uh, coming up in the month of July. Some big fights coming up, Wilder and Fury 3. And then some other news in boxing. And, you know, NFL training camp starts in a couple weeks. So we'll definitely start getting into that. And um, this is T, and this is Two Shades of Blue, and we'll see y'all the next episode. Yes, sir. Y'all be safe, man. Be safe.